the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. So good to be with you today. We're together each and every day from 3 to 5 right here everywhere in Southern California. And uh, we talk about issues of the day from the Christian perspective. You know, a lot of people today are dealing with anxiety. Do you get anxious? And I mean, some people, everybody gets anxious about different things, but some people really suffer from this. And uh, that is a a thing that lots of people are suffering even more from. And with me to talk about this is Jonathan Seidel. John is the founder and president of the Veritas Creative, a digital media consulting and content creation firm. And most recently, he served as the managing editor of Kirk Cameron's The Courage, where he oversaw content material and that was focused on faith, family, and culture. He also served as the editor of Chief of I Am Second. Maybe you've seen that website. It's a Christian nonprofit where people tell their stories of transformation. And uh, he's also worked as the managing editor of The Blaze. And you've seen him on TV and maybe read many articles. And he's with us today. He was diagnosed with anxiety in 2014, and he wrote a book called Finding Rest, A Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. You can find that at findrestnow.com. John Seidel, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Pastor Scott, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's great to have you. And, uh, you know, people always have these uh, long bios, and I try to figure out what to pull out of it. And uh, one I found uh, to be contemporarily uh, uh, very relevant is that you are a Green Bay Packers fan, and you live in Dallas, Texas. How's that going? Yeah, yeah, that was quite the uh, the, the week we had a couple of weeks ago, right, where um, I actually got a chance to go to the game. My birthday is right around this time of year, and so my wife said, hey, Here's some tickets if you want them. And I actually had to think about it because I, I, I went to the game thinking, we're not going to win this, right? right? And I said, well, but if we do, it's going to be an incredible birthday present. And lo and behold. And there you are, a <laughs> Green Bay Packer fan in uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, Stadium, and uh, you made it out there okay. Did you cheer loudly or did you just hide that part? Oh, I cheered loudly. In fact, I, people started sending me photos. Apparently, the Associated <laughs> Press, you know, I stood out like a sore th- thumb in Cowboys land. And uh, they started sending me pictures that, uh, of my face all over the news. <laughs> oh, great, great. So, uh, you know, getting to our subject here, does that give you some anxiety that you were all over the place <laughs> in, yeah. in that way? It, 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 that didn't, but uh, heading into the game definitely gave me anxiety. I was greeted um, with uh, expected cowboy jeers. Um, on the way in, but uh, I got the last laugh. Yeah, yes, you did. Well, I'm really glad that you're on the show, and this is such an important topic for so many people today, uh, people of all ages, the subject of anxiety. And uh, tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to this point where you wrote this book, Finding Rest. Yeah, you know, I think growing up, I always knew there was something a little bit different about me in the sense that there were things I just could not get out of my head, right? I, I would have ruminations. Uh, I would have thoughts that that would just, go, you know, kind of like, uh, Paul, the things I do, uh, I don't want to do, that they are things that I don't want to do, I do, the things that I do, I don't want to do. And so the things that I wanted to think about, I couldn't, and the things that I didn't want to think about, I was. 
And um, but really, that was just kind of my reality. Right. And so, you know, I just kind of got used to it. Um, But uh, you kind of fast forward. I get married and marriage has a way of pointing out our faults. Right. Yes, Um, it does. It's like a mirror that way. And, um, you know, a a few years into my marriage, my wife is is just saying, like, John, we can't live like this. And, Mm. and, And like this means, you know the littlest of things would just bug me and bug me for days and weeks at a time. And when you say bug me, what does that mean? Were you irritable or uh, afraid to do stuff? Yeah. What does that mean? Irritable is a great way to put it, right? So here's an example. My wife got in a a little bit of a fender bender, right? Mm -hmm. And um, for weeks, I just could not stop thinking about it. I could not stop Mm -hmm. thinking, oh, my gosh, our insurance is going to go up. Uh, 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 This is going to happen. This is going to happen, right? And I I actually call anxiety in the book the tyranny of the what if. I joke that that us anxiety sufferers, especially um, uh, obsessive thought anxiety like I have, um, we're the only people who can get a paper cut, and within an hour we have cancer, right? And we, be, because we just, what if? Well, what if? What if I get? Uh, what if I get uh, um, an infection? Well, what if that infection reveals this? And what you know? Right. So you can go on a website my... now, and uh, in ten minutes you got cancer from anything. Yeah. Oh, I have <laughs> right. that symptom. Oh, this hurts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was just that was my life. And it was just driving her crazy. She Mm. said, you know, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. And I think there's a lot of people who may be listening to this. Even if you don't suffer, you may be the the family member that says, yes, that's me. I I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around Bob or or Jill. Right. Um, And maybe Bob or Jill, you're listening and you've heard that. Right. You've heard your spouse or loved ones or family members say, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells around you. You And so, yeah. I think that's really interesting because I think that there are different reasons, though, why pe- that condition might exist. Some people struggle with anger, right? So you're on eggshells because you're afraid you're going to tick them off, you know, for something. And you were able to to determine it was anxiety. Yeah, I you know I started I started asking around, right? I start when you, you know there was one there was one specific incident where I'm I'm sitting there and and my wife and I are living in downtown ta- Dallas and we decide to walk around the city and explore a little bit and and uh, there. It's a coffee shop below our apartment, and she goes to get coffee, and I said, hey, um, I'm going to run to the bathroom, but remember, I only like sweet and low. I do not like Splenda, right? Right. And so, by the way, obviously, uh, anxiety and OCD, you get very particular about things, mm-hmm. right? And so I come back from the bathroom. She hands me my coffee, and I do one of those classic, you know, like Charlie Chaplin type spit takes, and, um, and, and I, I, got, I got angry. Right. So anger can be a, a, a symptom, if yeah. you will, of something that's deeper. And, you know, later that night, she's just crying in front of me. And, and that's when she says, you know, we can't live like this. And so when the when the person you love is is broken down in front of you, it, it's a little bit of a wake up call. And so I decided, you know what, I scheduled an appointment with the doctor and I go in there and, and it's uh, I go in there and the psychiatrist, he looks like Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Right. <laughs> which which in some ways kind of gave me comfort. Okay, no, yeah. come on in, John. Right. Uh, th- in some ways, like your psychiatrist looking like Doc Brown uh, gives you comfort. And I mean, within, you know, 30 minutes, like Mr. Seidel, you have what's called gen- generalized anxiety disorder with obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh-huh. And Scott, it was one of the most freeing days of my life. And I tell that to people and they, they, they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, listen, before I got my diagnosis, it's like uh, uh, the lights were off. Right. I knew someone was there. I knew there was an intruder there, but I was just punching in the dark. Right. 
I get my diagnosis and it's the lights come on and I know exactly what I'm facing now, right? Mm. Now I can attack it. Uh, And so it's really kind of a biblical principle, right? Naming things give us power over them. If you look back into the garden, what was the what was the the job given to Adam? It was to name the animals, right? And in naming and in in doing that, it showed the hierarchy of creation. It showed dominion, right? Yeah. So for me, that was that's kind of my origin story. I I I, I was able to name it, and that started my journey towards um towards towards gaining power over it. How did your wife respond to that? So you responded in with relief. How did she respond when you told her? Very, very much the same way, mm. right? I mean, I think she felt like, okay, well, I'm not crazy, right? Yeah. Um, she's like, okay, I knew there was something off here, right? Um, and honestly, I would say that our, our, uh, y- you know, our marriage really um, thrived after that, right? Because yeah. now it's like she's not questioning herself. Um, there, are, she's understanding me better, right? Um, so it, it was a really freeing day for her as well. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is John Seidel. He's the author of a new book called Finding Rest, A Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. And we're talking about anxiety. You know, doesn't everybody have anxiety? What's the difference? How do you determine whether you're a person who just has anxiety because you have a job interview or something important coming up or a test to take and you feel that versus somebody who has a clinical condition? How do you, where's that line? Yeah, it's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked it, right? Because anxiety is really fight or flight, right? Mm. And we all have fight or flight, right? You know, a few um, uh, a few years ago, I went to the Alaskan bush for on a on a fishing trip, right? They drop us off in the middle of nowhere, and 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 you know, there's no running water, and there's an outhouse, right? And I, uh, uh, you know, in order to go to the bathroom, I have to take you know a weapon with me in case I run with a run into a bear, right? I had anxiety about that, mm-hmm. but that anxiety kept me alive, right? And and, right. and to and to get over that anxiety, I carried something with me. But but so everyone has a fight or flight, you know, response and mode. Um, but when it starts to hamper your daily life, uh, that's for me the easiest way for me to put it for people. Mm. And the, the the best litmus test is you know so social anxiety. Hey, you know, listen, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't e- get just a little bit of butterflies when they're public speaking, right? Right. But if, if now you are becoming you know a hermit and a recluse because. You can't stand to be out of the house in in front of even just people at a grocery store, right? Well, that's hampering your daily life. You know, for me, for example, I would I would drive my car, right? And there was one there was one time I was going to I was going to Lowe's, and um, I I hit a bump, ran over something, and the ruminations in my mind, the tyranny of the what if, led me to. What if you just hit somebody? I, I circled the block three times looking for blood, looking for people taking pictures. Well, guess what? That 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 twenty minute Lowe's trip ended up taking about an hour and a half. Right? Mm. That's hampering my daily life. So I tell people if you if your if your fight or flight mode, if your anxiety is hampering your daily life, that's a really good indication that it's clinical and you should seek help. That's a really good way to look at it. So you didn't hit anybody to clarify. I did not. Right. Okay, that's good. Cause, <laughs> and I think that I think that's a really good thing for people to realize is that it's there's a normal part of anxiety, just part of our life, and it's it's for our safety, really. It's part of uh, yes. you know who we are, but it changes your your life. You know, we're living in a time where there is an awful lot of fear 
and new reasons to be fearful all the time, especially I think now after the COVID period and the shutdowns and stuff. Do you find or do studies find maybe that anxiety is on the rise with people or has it always been the same? We just acknowledge it more today. It's a combination of both. And so I think, A, we are getting better at talking about it. So mm-hmm. back in the 50s, you know, what or what we call anxiety now back in the 50s, you know, just, just well, just get over it, right? You know, that's just whatever. Um, but now we're able to put more words to it. So I think that is helpful. Um, but I also think, you know, that the, there is – there is events that happen that can awaken stuff inside of you, right? So uh, a few years back, I went on a motorcycle trip, and I was preparing for this motorcycle trip by by driving all day on my motorcycle as long as I could until my butt went numb, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and I so I was doing that, and I came home one day, and I had this I had this rash on my back, and 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 my wife is like, oh, you know, you got a heat rash from wearing your protective gear. And it just kept getting worse and worse. Well, lo and behold, I find it, found out that I had shingles, right? Oh. And so so people who may or may not know what shingles are, shingles is really the chicken pox virus. If you had chicken pox as a kid, the virus goes dormant in your spine for the rest of your life. And in moments of stress, as you age, as your immune system breaks down, it kind of breaks free. And I think COVID was that for a lot of people. It was that seminal event that maybe that anxiety was dormant inside of them, and 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 COVID kind of uh, made it wake up and spread. Right? Um, I I worked with a lot of pastors and faith leaders, uh, especially right after COVID, who who had never had anxiety before, right? But after they're leading their flock and if they're fighting, you know, government shutdowns or they're doing this and that, they, they're the janitor, but they're also the counselor, um, they ended up having anxiety, hmm. right? And so I think it's on the rise, but I also think it, uh, there's, there's seminal moments that awaken it with inside, uh, inside of us. I think a lot of people relate to that. We do, we do a lot of call-in talk show stuff, you know, people call in and there's a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Anxiety, and it's certainly on the rise and all ages, right? So it's young and old kids uh, even has this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you wrote this, this book called Finding Rest. And what do you mean by rest? What does that, you know, when, when I think about that, there's different ways in my own mind I'm identifying with I need rest or that sounds great, you know, rest. What does that mean? Yeah, great question. And so how I define rest is not as a final destination, right? We're, we're never going to find ultimate rest this side of heaven, right? right. So I define rest as respite. I, and what I mean by is that is those moments between the battles, right? Uh, I live in Texas now, right? And there's all these jokes about, you know, you can drive three days across the state of Texas and it takes you three days, right? Um, and, and along the way, if you go on one of those road trips, there's these rest stops, Right where you where you recharge, you right. rejuvenate. Right. So I think about it in those terms. How do I find those moments of respite? Because as the Lord promised us, in this world you will have trouble. Right. We're going to have battles. We're given the armor of God. Right. That assumes we're going to have battles. So rest for for as I define it here is it's those moments between the battles where you can recharge, where you can recuperate, right? Where you can mm. uh, learn more and grow more and get ready for the next battle. For somebody who is suffering with anxiety, you know, that is attractive, but I think they might be saying, well, how do I get there? You know, what? And as a Christian, you know, in the Bible, we have, uh, you know, cast all of your anxieties upon me and uh, don't worry about tomorrow. And the Lord cares about the birds and the plants. He cares about you. So get over it. You know, I think is maybe how that makes people feel all the time. But it's it's not 
really like that. So what do you advise people as, as believers? How do you deal with your anxiety? Yeah, it's a great question. So here's how I, I kind of attack this is, listen, anxiety for me is both a spiritual problem and a physical problem, right? So I have to recognize that. So what I mean by that is, listen, as a physical problem, there are synapses in my brain that aren't firing right, that aren't wired correctly, right? That's a result of the fall, right? Just like cancer and any other um, physical diagnosis is a result of that, right? So mm. so there is a physical component to this, right? So yeah. I... I take medication, right? So I treat it that way, right? I get exercise. I lost 70 pounds over the last two years, right? Because what I've realized is that when I'm outside, when I'm running, when I, when my weight is managed appropriately, it actually helps um, my anxiety, right? So mm. I attack it physically. But yes, there are also spiritual issues at play here, right? And, and what I have found is that in my life, the spiritual issues that lead to my anxiety are are our pride and fear, right? The, the pride says, hey, I can control everything, right? Mm. So when I can't control everything. That's when I start to feel anxious, right? So I have to do war against my pride, my fear, my fear, the fear, the tyranny of the what if, right? So I have to learn how to trust the Lord on a daily basis and remind myself of that. So, so my advice to people and especially Christians is attack this both physically and spiritually. Listen, the world will tell you this is only a, a physical issue, but, but just as much, right? There are some people in the church who, who will tell you this is only a spiritual issue. Hmm. No, it's both. And we have to recognize that. I think that makes a lot of sense. It's, you know, we, you, you don't just, uh, you know, figure out what the problem is and then do nothing. You know, we're not required to do that in the Bible. Just do nothing. We are supposed to do something and to grow. And this is a great message, I think, for believers. Does the church understand how to handle this issue with people? I think it's starting to get better, um, but I think traditionally and historically it has not, right? Mm. I do think there's been a lot more people, uh, uh, faith leaders, church denominations that have treated this only as a spiritual issue and said, well, you know, you just need to pray more. You need to, you need to believe more. You need to have more faith, right? Um, and what I tell those people is that, listen, if, if, if someone comes and breaks their arm, you're not telling them, hey, have more faith right? Pray a little bit more, right? You're sending them to the doctor to get, you know, to get a cast and, and, and work on it, right? And I feel like the, you know, the Lord has provided common graces to us, mm -hmm. right? Uh, medication for me is a common grace. There's a story I like to tell, you know, there's a flood in Houston and this guy uh, says, you know what, the Lord is going to help me. And so this cruiser comes along and says, hey, hop in. He says, no, the Lord's going to help me. And the waters rise, a boat comes along, and they say, hop in. And he goes, no, the Lord's going to help me. And waters rise, he gets up to the, to, the, to the roof, and a helicopter comes says, get in. And he says, no, the Lord's going to help me. And he gets to heaven, and he says, God, I, I don't understand. You, you promised to help me. And God says, listen, I sent you a car, a boat, and a helicopter. What more did you want? Right. Right? And so I, I, that's, that's, to me, is, is how I treat medication, how I treat help. Again, I still have to do the spiritual disciplines, the spiritual practices, right? And so that's really my message to, to, to the church is don't just treat this only as a spiritual issue. And he also sends people to uh, write us books like you have here, uh, Finding Rest, A Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life. Where's the best place for people to pick up your book? 
They can go to findrestnow.com, findrestnow.com. I actually also have recently released a companion guide, kind of a workbook for those who want to go even deeper and, and, and let people know too, like, there's chapters in the book and the workbook that are not just for people who struggle with anxiety, but also for loved ones, people who love people like me, right, mm. to, to guide them what to say, what not to say, how to help, how they can take care of themselves as well. That is so helpful. Uh, John, thank you for being with me on the Pastor Scott Show today and talking about this. I know it's important for so many people listening right now. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Once again, the website is Find Rest. Now the book is Finding Rest, a Survivor's Guide to Navigating the Valleys of Anxiety, Faith, and Life by John Seidel. It's S-E-I-D-L if you're looking it up. John, thanks for being with us. We'll be right back on the Pastor Scott Show. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com. Or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Hopefully, you're doing well in the rain. And uh, I'm getting pictures of flooding in different places, especially San Diego. Right? The freeway's washed out, Pacific Beach is underwater. But, uh, you know, once in a while, you get some rain. And I uh, hope that you are doing, doing well. Hey, you know, we were talking about uh, sports at the beginning of the interview with John Seidel there. And uh, we talked about how the... Uh, Green Bay Packers had won, and he's a Packers fan. Well, they've lost. You know, they won a week and a half ago. He mentioned it was two weeks ago, and uh, they beat Dallas, and he lives in Dallas, so that's what we're talking about. Um, but we, uh, they lost yesterday. And then I had this this other thought about this. You know, um, Friday, on Friday, we talked about Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud and how NBC had removed his giving thanks to Jesus in an interview. So on Friday, we, we played both parts. We played the interview that NBC played, where they, and then we played the full raw interview where they snipped out his uh, giving thanks to Jesus after their win uh, two weekends ago. But they also lost this uh, weekend. And uh, do you think, Wilbert, that we've got a, uh, that there's a Pastor Scott show curse on the show? If I talk about your team in the playoffs in football, are they going to lose? Yeah, just don't talk about the Lions. Just don't talk about the Lions. Lucky for you, they're not on my agenda today. Uh, Good. The, the, the Lions. Jose, Jose's very ecstatic. He's a Lions fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate that. But I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll definitely uh, talk about the Super Bowl. We don't, uh, it's not a sports show, by the way, but we like sports around here. But we tend to take a look at the athletes and maybe the things that they say, especially if they give thanks to God or they quote scripture or things like that. And I thought, you know, C.J. Stroud, the youngest quarterback ever to win a playoff game, he's 22. He'll be back. All right. With the Texans, he's always giving thanks to God whenever he speaks. And I wondered, though, I thought, you know, he lost. So did he give thanks to God after a losing game? You know, it's kind of easy to give thanks to God when you win. Right, but do you give thanks to God when you're losing? This is what he said at the uh, press conference. Um, I'm just really grateful to God, just on all the opportunities that He's blessed me with, and uh, I'm just going to lean on Him. And, and I know that um, this, this isn't the end for me. It's a lot of more football for me to play, and I'm just excited for that. And I'm just super blessed with the guys who I line it up with um, every week this this year. Um, and I'm just really, really thankful to God, just on how much He's brought me from really, from really. I mean, I can go all the way back since I've been a kid to college to week one to now. Like we, I've grown as a person and as a um, as a man of God in a lot of different ways. So I'm just really blessed for that. You know what? That is great. You know, it 
it you know when you when you lose and it's right after the game right you're in a pretty grumpy mood and now you got to go out and you got to face the uh, media and they're asking you questions but for him to have especially i think at 22 i'm impressed right he's got enough composure to make that statement you can tell he's not excited really about being there but to talk about being a man of god and how he's grown and he grows through the losses uh, that's a good deal. We need to pray for him and his impact with the other players that are around him. So uh, hopefully we had nothing to do with his loss. I, I don't believe in any of that stuff, by the way, just just in case somebody out there is wondering. Uh, but it's kind of funny. Remember, you know, the Sports Illustrated uh, magazine went down the tubes, and uh, they used to have the curse, right? You get on the Sports Illustrated cover, and uh, then you lost. Remember the Dodgers had a cover in 2017. The cover was Greatest Team Ever. And, it, you know, and they were headed towards uh, breaking all the records for number of wins. And right after that magazine came out suggesting that they might be the greatest team ever, they lost 17 in a row after that. They still went to the World Series and uh, technically won against the uh, Cheating Astros, but actually lost. Uh, 888-528-2557. Not to destroy the potential of uh, the Baltimore Ravens, but another across the hall from C.J. Stroud when he was making those comments was the coach of the winning Ravens team that beat him, John Harbaugh. And uh, this is what John Harbaugh came out and immediately said to the media that was waiting there. just want to start off with this. Um, this is something that was sent to me before the game. It just is meaningful to me, so I'm going to share it with you uh, because I think it's uh, uh, the right thing to do. And it's, it's a verse. Um, Greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, Lord. You are the head and the ruler over everything. So there's an amazing spirit on this team, and I uh, just want to kind of give honor and glory where it's due. You know, I thought that's pretty impressive to uh, come out and say that right away. As the coach, you're headed to the uh, championship game. You might be going to the Super Bowl, and uh, you decide to quote Scripture. Since somebody just gave it to him, his First Chronicles 29, uh, 11 is uh, what he read there. And, uh, you know, we'll see. But uh, do you find I find that to be a interesting thing for and I think a good thing for Christians who are solid. You need to be solid, right? To come out with their faith on these things. I think they're making an impact here uh, in so many different ways. His brother, who is the coach of the national champion Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh, uh, he was at the uh, March for Life last weekend, and uh, he had a few things to say. Well, and then also, too, you were telling me 70 players got baptized on your team this season. You know, what led to kind of like that? Mini revival inside of the Wolverine rock locker room here. Seventy people. Is that? Did he say seventy people got baptized this season? How many people are on a team on a college football team? That can't be. Is it forty-five? How many people? And somebody. So maybe seventy is the wrong number, but uh, many. Maybe it's over the years. Seventy people. Uh, anyway, he continues. No, it's our it's our players uh, and their parents, our coaches, our staff. It's a it's a it's a there's a there's a spiritual mission. You know, to our team, and uh, yeah, I'm inspired by them. You know, you see guys like Blake Corm and, yep. and, and so many others. But uh, yeah, it's inspirational. the The young players on our team are uh, are incre- incredible examples. You know, there is wherever your job is. Now, these guys are football coaches. They have literally millions of people watching them. Okay, I don't know how many people hang out for the press conference afterward. Millions of people watch the game, of course. Do you stay for the press conference? 
Wilbert, Jose, do you guys like? I, I watch them sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to see that. I stick around for that part. Uh, but probably a lot of people drop off, but many people watch it. Then that's the part that gets played, though, on the news later. ESPN, yeah, exactly. Sports Center, and uh, the different the different shows. So uh, there's a pretty significant impact. Jim Harbaugh, who is John Harbaugh's brother, he uh, gives a little credit to his uh, to his faith and to his dad here. I just take the counsel from from God yeah. and, and the Holy Spirit and, uh, and Mr. Jack Harbaugh, my dad <laughs> and my wife Sarah. Uh, but you know, just just taking the advice, just living living one day at a time. You know, uh, one day at a time, one game at a time, one play at a time. And there you go. Are you able to? Now, none of us are having uh, millions of people watch us. Well, maybe there's millions of people listening to the Pastor Scott Show, obviously. And uh, (laughs) I said that one time, and uh, not that I'm against that, but I said that one time, and some guy called up really mad. There aren't millions of people listening. Well, okay, you count then. How do we know? There's an awful lot. You know, there's radio out there. Everybody's driving their cars. They're in the rain. They're getting home slower. I bet we got more listeners today than you think. Uh, 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation or uh, critique uh, the millions of people listening. 888-528-2557. So Jim, John, John Harbaugh, John, yeah, John Harbaugh, when he quoted 1 Chronicles 29, 10, 11, and I thought about this, and I thought about it with Jim talking about his dad. Do you have a legacy in your faith in passing it on? I know it's a hard subject because for many of us, that's not happening in our families. Maybe our kids did not follow Christ or they haven't yet. And I tell you that because you should never, ever give up on them as far away as they might be, okay, from the Lord, whatever their situation might be. I'll tell you what, as a pastor for all these years, some of the greatest moments I've ever had is when parents come to me in tears because their adult child came back to the Lord or came to the Lord for the first time. You know, one time uh, a guy moved to San Diego where I was a pastor and came to our church. He had just gotten saved, started coming to our church. He was in the military, so he got uh, stationed in San Diego. And one, he had just gotten saved and he was getting his life right with the Lord. His mom and dad flew out from North Carolina or somewhere and I'll never forget the tears and the hugs and just how grateful that they are. And honestly, our church was the place where he, he landed here, but he got saved uh, in another way uh, through some other place he was at. Uh, but they were so grateful. And I remember that all the time. And anytime, if you're thinking, gosh, you know, I don't know where my kids are with the Lord and I'm worried, uh, keep praying and do not give up wherever you find them. This guy was a pretty hard guy uh, and uh, the Lord got to his heart. And maybe you do have a legacy with your kids, and it matters to have that. And it's a source of great joy when you do, and it's a source of great joy whenever they come back to the Lord, if they walk away for a while. It has to be their own faith. That's another thing is, you know, you can be following the Lord as best you can, which is what you should do. Your example never goes away. And in fact, if you haven't been the best example as a parent or a grandparent or to your grandkids or to your kids, Start being that now. It's never too late to repent and start doing that. And you know, it impacts people. They see the difference in you and they say, what is it? And when you say it's Jesus, it's that I have actually surrendered my life to Jesus. Be real honest about it and say, you know what? All those years when I was dragging you to church and making you go to youth group, but I wasn't really acting like a Christ follower on a day-to-day basis. That might be your story. 
just be honest about that and say, but you know what? I was wrong, and I'm sorry, because you need to see that following Jesus is the right thing to do, that you need to see that our faith is for real, that God is real, that Jesus is uh, grace for you is for real, and I've accepted that now, and um, you can let them know. See, there's just never a time to give up. There, as much as you have messed up, uh, if you have, uh, or maybe you're being accused of messing up, and maybe you haven't really, because that happens sometimes, don't give up on your kids or your grandkids. You keep praying for them. And whatever your situation is, maybe you're a coach of a little league team, you know, a Pop Warner football team, and you're not going to be on Sports Center. There's not going to be a press conference. You're still making an impact on the lives of uh, everybody who's involved, the kids, the parents, everybody else. It matters greatly. When we come back in just a minute, uh, I wanted to talk about the First Chronicles. Did I say Corinthians before? I might have said that. It's Chronicles. First Chronicles 29 passage that uh, John Harbaugh read from and give you a little bit of context for it because I think it's great. And it comes from a guy who was faithful to the Lord, but not always faithful. A guy who was a father who had tremendous power and tremendous influence, and he messed up a lot. And at the same time, you see him dedicate uh, things to his son. I'll tell you that story here as the Monday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Give us a follow on social media at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. I just want to start off with this. Um, this is something that was sent to me before the game. It just is meaningful to me, so I'm going to share it with you uh, because I think it's uh, uh, the right thing to do. And it's, it's a verse. Um, Greatness, power, glory, victory, and honor belong to you because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. The kingdom belongs to you, Lord. You are the head and the ruler over everything. So there's an amazing spirit on this team. And I uh, just want to kind of give honor and glory where it's due. That is Ravens coach John Harbaugh after the uh, victory on uh, this weekend. Was that on Saturday? Yeah, on Saturday, I think. Um, and we read that before the break. It comes from First Chronicles 29. And I wanted to give you a little bit of context for that, kind of read the whole thing. You know who that is who says it? It's King David. And what he's about to do in the context of it is hand over the kingdom to, of Israel to his son, Solomon. And this is part of that process at the end of David's life, right at the end of uh, the book there next, uh, this chapter, the next one, he dies, David dies, Solomon becomes king. That's the, uh, the history lesson there. But I wanted to ask this question, are there people in your life that you would thank for passing along the legacy of faith? of your Christian walk to, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's somebody else who was part of your life, but, you know, they're not perfect, whoever those people are. Sometimes we get disappointed by the people who are our mentors or people who are, you know, our parents because they're all sinners, but part of it is everybody falls short. Did David fall short? He sure did. I mean, he was a murderer, an adulterer, ultimately. And but he kept confessing his sin. He kept going back to the Lord. This is the whole first Chronicles passage. It says David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Did I give out the number? The number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. That part's not in the Bible. It's not a biblical phone number. 
Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everything to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. This is King David who knew his place. Verse 12, wealth and honor come from you who are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. That first part there is a song, a song that um, maybe this is the coronation or part of it of Solomon becoming king. And then David says this, he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as we are all ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Our Lord, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you and give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I've provided. So David didn't have that opportunity to build, finish building the temple. Solomon gets to do that. And David passes it along. David loses that opportunity because of the sin in his life, but he has repented. He has turned back to God. What a great prayer, great prayer for his kid right? And Solomon, you know, he's not perfect either. He's a mess um, as he takes over. Lots of bad things happen there. I think Solomon got it right in the end. I think that by the end of his life, he figured out um, what is right about the Lord in a similar place. 888-528-2557. Who has spoken into your life so that you have faith? Valerie in Northridge, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. I'm so happy to speak to you. I've been a listening to your podcast um, Monday through Friday on my way back home from work. It's a blessing oh, for me. Well, thanks for listening. Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to say that um, my mother, uh, Irma, she's been uh, the person that has always prayed for me and um, has led me to Christianity. Um, as a kid, uh, I do remember we tried different religions. I think she was also trying to see what worked for her and always brought us with her and uh, always tried different things as far as for me, um, you know, uh, biblical study. So uh, as an, a young adult, uh, I was completely lost. And uh, she led me to uh, baptism, a uh, church that she found herself and started healing and then that led for me to go ahead and um get led to uh the baptist church that she was in and and i was saved through through her church so i do always thank god for my mother and for her faith and i do see how that that can uh follow through to the next generation you know, I think that is such an important story and a great acknowledgement uh, to your mom, who was obviously seeking what's true, right? She tried a bunch of stuff. Yes, yes, she did. Yeah. Um, 
So we both come to believe and we uh, both have that in common to, to know that, you know, we have both tried all these uh, different religions, different uh, different Christianities, um, you know, like Catholicism has always been there. It's, uh, they do believe in Christ, but that's one of the biggest um, popular uh, religions. Um, I'm Latin, so that's definitely the, the popular uh, religion. But uh, something in our hearts always felt like that that wasn't the way. That's not our comfort zone. We we've always known the truth, and the truth is. Um, the path is Jesus, not right. to believe in any ideology or praising to, you know, um, the saints. Well, and like you want to make sure that you're focusing on what's true, because, you know, faith, yes. I think in religion, it, it becomes something where people seek what works for them, right? Yes. Um, but that it really doesn't matter what works for you at the end of the day. It's what works spiritually in the reality of the spiritual uh, reality. Uh, and if there is a God and if Jesus is the Savior, if he really came and died and rose again and whoever believes in him would have eternal life, then that's the way to go, right? That And it'll work for you uh, in the long term. And I think that's a great thing about grace. I'm so happy about your faith and for your mom's faith. Thank you, Valerie, for calling the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. There's something about, you know, truth when we learn from the scriptures that the truth will set you free. It, it sets you free from the bondage of falsehood. It sets you free from the bondage of trying to live out even a spiritual reality that's not reality. That isn't real. That isn't just, you know, when you, she talked about her mom maybe going to church to figure out what worked for her. And eventually she figured out what worked, right? What worked actually, how this actually works. When you study your scriptures, you study who Jesus is, you study how this is impacted through history. We just read something from 3,000 years ago, the reign of King David and then Solomon and the troubles that they had and so much. But they're talking about real places, a real place called Jerusalem, a real temple that did get built and torn down and built again and torn down. And some people think be built again. The parts of it, uh, the second temple are still there and uh, probably underground, a lot of stuff from that first part there throughout history. You talk about something throughout history and how God comes into the picture how God enters history to tell us the way. Jesus would say he's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus would say that he is, you know, when he says the way and the truth and the life, it's all three of those things, that when you come to Jesus, you find your way. If you're somebody who's looking for the truth, if you're looking for spiritual truth or, you know, spirituality, religion, uh, tomorrow we've got uh, something on, we'll probably talk about that some. And you know, there's there's a journey that you go on as you try to determine those kinds of things. But for those people who get saved, you realize something. You realize that it's not about what ultimately works for you. It's about what actually is for real. And I'll tell you something that works for everybody who will see it, everybody who will accept it. It's grace. It's the idea of unmerited favor from God. The unmerited favor, that's what grace is. You didn't earn it. And it's hard for people because we try so hard to be good people, right? We try so hard to to do the right things and all of that matters. But here we've got a story we just read of David and Solomon, two people who a lot of the time did not do the right thing, but some of the time did do the right thing. And you see that there is even, there has been grace 
for them that it ultimately is granted because of their faith through a Messiah who would come later through uh, their line, and uh, actually. And this is a wonderful thing about our faith, a distinction of Christianity, and I don't want you to miss this, okay, is that we're saved by grace through faith. Every other belief system in the world, you're saved by works or you're given whatever the benefit is of the universe by works, whatever whatever benefit there is through religious or spirituality, you get there by works. You earn that. Somehow you get points or you get whatever. Um, in Christianity, you get salvation because you believe. You receive it. You You understand that the Lord did it all for you through Christ. And then you do good things because of that. It's a response. And we should do good things. We should obey. And David, when he says to his son, he needs to keep your commands and statutes and decrees. You know, failures of Solomon is that he didn't always do that. And uh, the failures were tremendous, ultimately, for Israel and ultimately divided kingdom and lots of stuff. But at the same time, he learned a lot, wrote a couple of books, wrote uh, Ecclesiastes, which I think you got to read the whole thing. But it's a great book. You've got to read the whole thing because you'll be depressed in the first half of it. But the second half of it, he works it all out for you. And you find out that following the Lord and loving the Lord, that's the meaning of life. This is the Pastor Scott Show. And uh, thanks for calling there, Ted. I won't get to your calls on this one. We'll change the subject as we come up with uh, hour two. You know, something in the world today that you should be aware of, we've talked about this, is uh, artificial intelligence and how it could impact our lives. And it impacted the presidential race today in a significant way. I don't think we know. Maybe I'll, I'll look it up if we know who did it. But it's it's something we've got to be smart enough to identify, and that's difficult. I'm going to play you a robocall that uh, sounds like President Biden, but it's not him. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues in just a moment. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.